morning, everyone. Good morning, everyone. Here we go. Thank you. Uh, welcome. If you're a visitor, it is school holidays. Um, and I've, no, I've seen some visitors outside coming in. My name's Bob. I'm one of the elders here. And so from time to time, the elders uh, help out with the preaching. We're also in the middle of um, trying to find a new pastor, so there's a bit more going on with the preaching side of things. Um, and because it's the school holidays, we haven't got a series or anything at the moment that we're speaking about or a, a part of the Bible that we're in, so I got to choose whatever I wanted to, to do. Um, so I was thinking about our community. We're a church that um, is heavily involved in our community. It's something that we kind of, we think we do quite well, um, and, and I suppose we do. But there's different people in our community um, and wondering how do we sort of reach those guys who have been in the community for years and years. There's Christians in our community, people that know Jesus. A lot of them are from this church. Some aren't, and that's good. Some people who don't yet know Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. And then there are those who used to be part of our church, part of our growth groups. They were up the front, um, you know, helping out and quite involved. And for some reason are no longer um, you know, on their walk with Jesus or a part of our congregation. And um, some of those people were involved in my growth group um, for some time and, and now they're not no longer involved. And it's, um, it's pretty hard to take, feel like they've been let down a little bit. How do we reach these different people? And um, I'm thinking that sharing your testimony was something that I'd want to share with you this morning. So um, I'll just pray and we'll get stuck into it. God, we thank you that it's come to a time of, um, of rest, school holidays for the kids and uh, hopefully for us as well. And, and we've got the opportunity to um, get into your word this morning. Thank you for the preparation that um, I've been provided with um, and for your assistance in that. And now help me with the delivery. Bless the hearts and the minds of those that are hearing it and help us to put into practice. In Jesus' name, amen. So when God began to reveal himself to the world, he didn't send down bookshelves filled with theologies or lectures or sermons or anything like that. He began with a story. He created, um, you know, a story of his love and, and Adam and Eve were the first recipients of his story. If you look through the Bible... It's not a book of sermons or lectures or outlines. It's a storybook filled with the most amazing stories that you'll ever read or hear. So it's no wonder that God wants us to share our stories of his love in our lives with others. First John shares it this way. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testify to it. And we have proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. First John 1, 2-3 When Jesus healed the blind man, the blind man said, I know this, I was blind and now I can see. John nine twenty five. And when Jesus forgave the Samaritan woman, she told everyone, Come and meet a man who told me everything I ever did. Can this be the Messiah? John 4.29, and later on in that same verse, the people of the village told her, uh, sorry, in that same book, now we believe because we have heard him ourselves. In verse 42. These were simply common people telling extraordinary stories of the way that God had worked in their lives. That's why Jesus told his disciples, and now you must testify 
for you have been with me from the beginning. John 15, 27. Now I'm going to share with you my favourite story in the Bible. It's on the, um, the service sheet that you got as you walked in. So you can follow along if you want to, but I'm going to tell it accurately, so it's okay. It's a story of Jonathan and his armour bearer. Um, now before all this, um, we get into it, what's going on at this time is the Philistines have surrounded the Israelites and the Israelites are in a fair bit of trouble actually, the Philistines are really putting it to them. The Philistines have um, made sure that the Israelites have got no weapons and no armour. So all the Israelites have got to fight with is like garden tools and that's it. The only two people out of all the Israelites that have got any weapons or armour are Jonathan and King Saul. Jonathan is, is Saul's son. That's it, they're the only two that have got anything. So on this particular day, King Saul, he says to his people, the soldiers and all the Israelites, look, wherever you are today, stay in, don't go anywhere. We're going to stay in camp or hiding out or wherever you are, don't go out today. And Jonathan, being a good son, he says to his armour bearer, the guy just carries around his sword and his shield and his armour, he says, look, Dad wants us to stay home today, stay in camp, but we're not going to do that. Why don't we go out and see if we can find the Philistines? Maybe God will deliver us to them today, deliver them to us today. And the armour bearer is like, oh, well, yeah, okay, whatever you want to do, I'm going to follow you. And so Jonathan says, yeah, yeah, let's go. Let's go see if we can find them. So they set out. Now they're walking along and it says that there's, they're, they're in the bottom of this sort of valley, there's cliffs on both sides of them. And the Philistine army, they're camped up, on one of the top of the cliffs there. Now at this stage, Jonathan, in terms of military strategic advantage, he's got one thing going for him. Okay, he's, he's completely outnumbered. There's a whole army at the top. For the purpose of counting numbers and things, the armour bearer doesn't count for a soldier. He, his only job is to carry Jonathan's stuff. So when you look at the numbers in armies and things, he doesn't count. So Jonathan, essentially, he's on his own. He's one, one guy against the entire army. And the other thing is that the Philistines, they're up the top, and it's easier to attack from above. So Jonathan, he's really up against it. The only strategic military advantage that Jonathan's got at this stage is the element of surprise. Maybe. And they don't know he's there yet. So if he was some kind of Rambo or something, he'll get up there and one by one pick them off secretly. Probably not, but that's it. That's all he's got, the element of surprise. They don't yet know he's there. So he says to his armour bearer, I know what we'll do. We'll go out into the open where they can see us. So he's willingly giving up the only strategic advantage that he's got. If they say to us, come on up here, well, we know we've got them. God's delivered them to us. We'll go up. And if not, well, then we'll wait for them. So the armor bearer says, yeah, well, okay, you're the boss, let's do it. So Jonathan and the armor bearer, they walk out into the open and they get spotted by the Philistines. And they're like looking down and going, hey, check out these, these guys down here. There's a couple of Israelites down there. Well, how many? Well, well there's, there's one, two, not really. There's just, there's one. And they say to them, they, they yell down, they say to, to Jonathan, hey, hey buddy, come on up here. We want to teach you a lesson. 
And Jonathan says to his armor bearer, ha ha, yes, we've got them. Today God's going to deliver them to us. And it says that they, they climbed up the side on their hands and feet. Now who remembers the first time you ever went to the sand dunes at Broadwater and did sprint repeats up the sand dunes? You don't? <laughs> Am I the only one that's done this? See, okay, so about, oh, over 10 years ago when I was fitter, I thought I'm going to go to the sand dunes at Broadwater and I'm going to sprint up and down them as fast as I can. I'm going to get super fit and super fast. It's going to be unreal. So I did. Early one morning, I headed out to the sand dunes at Broadwater and I'm standing at the bottom, I'm looking up and I'm like, yep, I'm going to sprint up as fast as I can and then I'll walk back down. And I'm going to do that 10 times. It's going to be fantastic. So I took off my first effort, my first sprint, and I'm running up, and it was a lot harder than I thought. As I'm running, the sand was collapsing under my feet, but I kept going. It's okay, I've just got to get to the top, and I can walk back down. And I scrambled up to the top, and I was like, whoa, that was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. But it's okay, I get to go back down now, I can rest on my way down, and I'll start again. And I'm kind of walking back down, but it's not that easy because, again, all the sand's collapsing under your feet. So you're sort of working on the way down as well. And I got to the bottom, looked up, and I'm going, well, man, I've got another nine to go. All right, let's get to it. So I took off for my second sprint. Now, this one was pretty rubbish. I'd had it. And I was going as hard as I could, and I had to get down on my hands and feet to scramble up this sand dune the second time. I had nothing left. And I got to the top, and I've never been so tired in all my life. Literally, what I really thought, the true thoughts that went through my head is, at that point, I want to pass out so I can recover while I'm unconscious. Every other athletic pursuit I've ever done, it didn't come close. That was the, the worst I'd ever felt. Now, that was a sand dune that was, you know, not ultimately too high. These guys went up the side of a mountain on their hands and feet, the armour bearer is carrying, I guess the easiest way to carry all that armour is to wear it, and he's got a shield and a sword, and he's climbing up the side of this mountain. Imagine how they felt when they got to the top. There's a whole army of people there, the Philistines. These guys, they're gone. But what happens next? Well, then God does his work. God worked. God held the Philistine army down. Then the armour bearer, not the soldier, the armour-bearer who's come up holding the armour, the sword and the shield on his hands and feet up the side of the mountain, he goes through and starts chopping down the enemies as they're falling down in front of him. How good's that story? I love that story, but that's not it. That's the story as you'll find it in the service sheet, but it actually goes on. See, what happens next is talks about the result of word spreading and people's response to that word of God's work that he had done. And think about the, um, the people in our community that I mentioned at the top. So what happens is the word gets back to the Israelite camp that the enemy is in chaos. And, and Saul's like, what's going on here? And they find out, and Saul says, all right, we've got to go help out here. 
So the Israelite army, they're encouraged by hearing the story of God working, they're encouraged to go and help out in the fight. There's um, Israelites and they're, they're hiding in caves in the sides of the hills and stuff. And they've heard this story of what God's done. And they're like, we've got to come out. And they, they, they're encouraged and they come out of the side of the hills and all the caves to find out what's going on and to declare you know, God is their king. And then you've got people who are, um, they're fighting with the Philistines, but they used to be with the Israelites. They're Israel, they were God's people, but for some reason they are no longer in that walk and they're actually over with the Philistine camp. So they're wearing all the Philistine kind of get-up, all the gear that the Philistines are wearing. And they, they, they hear this story of what's going on and they're seeing it all happening and God's working and they go, what am I doing? Why am I wearing these rubbish clothes? They start to take off all their clothes. This is not who I am. This is not who I'm supposed to be. What am I doing? And they come back to, to God through the story that they heard. Maybe the hardest people to reach. So that's the power of sharing your story, your testimony, how God has worked in your life. So we're going to go through some points um, some practical points about how to go about sharing your testimony with others, how to share the work, the good work that God has done in your life. So your testimony doesn't have to be how you became a Christian. Often it is, but your testimony is any good work that God has done in your life. Share that with the people in our community. The first one is this, do good. These um, verses, by the way, they're also on the service sheet. We're going to be going through the back end of Galatians, Paul's letter to the Galatians. And um, it's like an encouragement letter. So he's finishing off with these sort of words of encouragement. So firstly, do good. Galatians 6.10 says, Therefore, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So that's it, do good. We're simply to do what God calls us to do. Do good to everyone. But doing good is not always the easiest thing to do. It's really tough to do the right thing when people are kind of trying to persuade you to do the wrong thing. The Galatians 6.12 says, Those who want to impress by means of the flesh, are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. This tells us that some people, they don't want to do what's right because they're afraid of the persecution that they feel may come with it. But it's okay because your testimony is your story of the work that God's done in your life. If you're sharing that with someone, they can't say, that's not how it happened. It's not their story. They can't go, no, that's not right. Well, hang on, it's, it's my story. It's not your story. I'm the one who says how it went. And what's powerful about your story is that you allowed God to work in your life. The crowd usually follows the easiest way but not the best way. But God calls us to do good. Well, the rest of us, the world is telling us to do the wrong thing. 
we simply must determine that whatever we do will be good and godly. But doing good is not enough, and we know that. If doing good was enough, we could all just choose um, to give money to some good cause, and that would be enough. But obviously we know that doing good on its own is not enough. We're on about that a lot here as well. Jesus plus something equals nothing. The problem with trying to do good all the time is that you're going to mess up. You can't be good all the time. You can't do good all the time. You're going to mess up and you know, do the wrong thing. That's what I do often enough because I'm like you guys. So we're going to fail if we just try to be good or do good. And that's why Paul gives us the second strategy to sharing the story of the work that God's done in your life. We have to keep our focus on the cross. In Galatians 6.14, Paul goes on, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Okay. I hate talking about this next bit because I was caught up in it all. So Christians have this tendency, that's a general statement, sometimes have a tendency to share their horror stories. When I was um, in Sydney, when I was sort of 18 or 19, I started out in youth camps and I was involved in youth camps for sort of 10 years. One of the big strategies that we had as leaders was to share our testimony. The kids would be in small groups and that kind of stuff and then we'd get them together and a leader would get up the front and, and share a testimony. Now, what kind of went down was um, the leaders who had a shady past could really draw a crowd because the kids got the idea that they were going to get all this you know, goss on the leaders. That was what the leaders were sort of sharing. And um, so the leaders would share all these things about their past, not so good things, and then God saved them and, and things went on from there. And that was the good part of the story. But that wasn't the part of the story that the kids remembered. They went away remembering all the dodgy stuff that the leaders had done. And they were sort of telling me that. And I'm like, oh, no, we had to sort of change our, our tact and our strategy on that. So whenever you share your story, the focus needs to be on the cross. It needs to be on Jesus. That's why the Apostle Paul said, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this advice works for everything, all the time. Focus on the cross. You've seen the movie scene. Do you know what focus is? Like it's a battle scene and it's panned out and there's a lot of chaos. There's a big battle going on, so there's dust flying everywhere, swords are flashing. And um, you can't quite make it out. It's just a big mash of blur, but you know it's a battle taking place. And then in the middle of the screen there's an object that comes up. You're supposed to see it. And this object, it kind of it zooms down in on that object. And as the camera is panning in on that particular object, everything else in the background starts to become blurry. It's no longer important. And that object, it becomes clear. It becomes in focus. That's what you start to notice. You notice what's in focus. Keep the focus on the cross. It's easy to get our attention on anything other than what's important. We have to stay focused. 
What Jesus did on the cross must hold our attention because it means everything. Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave to grant us forgiveness, freedom and a whole new life, an eternal life. The cross is the symbol of every purpose God has for us. And there's a benefit on focusing on the cross and God's purpose for our lives. The more we focus on the cross, the less we focus on the stuff that drags us down. And that's what the end of this verse uh, is saying. The world has been crucified to me and I to the world. So Paul's saying there, essentially, the things of the world are dead to me. By doing good and maintaining focus on the cross, we provide others with an opportunity to see something in us that they know they need. And that's Jesus. They'll begin to notice that you're different, and that difference makes all the difference. And that's what Paul addresses in the next strategy. We have to realise that we're not the same anymore. Galatians 6, 15-16, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, to the Israel of God. If you want to have the confidence to share your story with others, then realise that you're not the same person you were before. When you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, you accepted his forgiveness and began a personal relationship with him. You were given a new life. You became a new person. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Those who become Christians become new persons. They are not the same anymore, for the old has gone. A new life has begun. See, Galatians 6.15, Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule. It's not just knowing that God has forgiven you and given you eternal life. You live by that principle. Each morning you start your day by declaring to God that you're going to live by his plan and in that principle. It's simple. It's simple, but it's not easy. To the final point, final strategy, and it's this, be bold. Now, some of you are sitting there thinking, well, that's okay, I don't mind doing any of these things. But, you know, there are other people maybe sitting next to you who do struggle to do this kind of stuff. And that's okay. Be bold. We must be willing to step up whatever the perceived cost may be. The Apostle Paul could literally take off his shirt and show you the scars that he had, scars very close to those that Jesus had on his back before Jesus was nailed to the cross. Paul's saying, I'm willing to do whatever it takes as long as it means I can live for Jesus. And that's why he ends the letter to the Galatians by saying this in verse 17. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. It may feel overwhelming to share your story, to live the kind of life that God's asking. Sometimes living for God can seem difficult. I've got this theory, I call it the hairdresser theory. So people in Evans, in our community, they know Les. They know who he is and what he does. He's been here for a long time and he's involved in the community. So they know him. Now he thinks, he looks in the mirror and he, he sees a bunch of curls starting to form. He thinks, oh, time to get a haircut. 
goes and sees Kim the hairdresser, and she puts a cape around his neck. She goes, hey, Les, how's SRE in school going? Or how's the work in the school? How's the church going? Because she knows Les, she knows what he does. So it's kind of expected that he's going to talk about those things with her. I look in the mirror and I've got this sort of a wave going on at the front. Oop, time to go see Kim the hairdresser. 6.30 Tuesday night when she's still open on a Tuesday. She puts a cape around my neck. How's your new exercise physiologist job going, Bob? Are you still up to your armpits in hairy old women? Yeah. Yeah, Kim, God's really blessed me. you've got to look for the, the, the way in to start to share your story of how God's worked in your life. People misunderstand. They accuse us of thinking that we're better than we are, try to drag us back into the very rubbish that God saved us from in the first place. And that's the same rubbish that we're trying to, that we would like God to work to save them from as well. But the author of these passages, Paul, he confidently shouted, let no one cause me trouble. Do good. Focus on the cross. Focus on God's purpose for your life. Live the new life that God created you to live and have the boldness to act for God. Your story can have a powerful impact on someone else's life, even if it's just a small part of that story, of their story. Your testimony, the way you live your life, is God's story to the world. Whether you are sharing with a person who has already accepted Jesus, someone who doesn't yet know Jesus as their Lord and Saviour, or someone who used to be part of God's kingdom and for some reason at the moment is not walking that way. Share your story. Let me pray. God, we thank you that um, we live in a, a wonderful community, in a unique community, um, one that we look after each other in, in Evans Head and surrounding areas. Thank you that we've got a vibrant church of people that um, want to let others know more about you. Help us to speak with our, our friends and uh, those around in our community. Be bold to share the good work that you have done in our lives. May that touch those people around us so your kingdom grows. In Jesus' name, amen.